Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. Next week, we're starting a new series called Overcomer. It's on the book of Revelation. We're going to dive in deep on this book. We have Bible study materials prepared for you. The team has worked very hard uh, to make that available for you. So go to our website, find out information about how to get that, uh, that, that material. And we're excited about our study in the book of Revelation here in the winter and into the spring. Uh, but this week's sort of an open weekend, and I want to take advantage and speak to, to us about our response as a church to uh, the COVID crisis, the, the crisis that, that began in 2020, and yes, that we take with us into 2021. Uh, I want to just talk about our, our response and talk about what, you know, what is our response going forward, and do that by looking at, God, at God's Word. And, and this season has not just simply been unusual or, or different or strange, it's been hard. Uh, there have been people that are a part of our congregation who have lost loved ones. And perhaps you're listening or watching today and our hearts go out to you as you mourn the loss of a loved one from this past year. Uh, there are many who are watching and listening who are dealing with, with loneliness. Uh, they, they've been isolated and this has been so very hard for them. There are marriages that have extra stress placed on them because of, of this, uh, this season that we, are, that we are in. And that's been hard. There have been single adults who have felt incredibly lonely and isolated in, in these days. There are parents who, who the normal routines of taking children to school are, have been upended and now they're trying to learn how to do school online. And this has been a very hard season. And it hasn't only just been hard, it's, it's been difficult, it's been frustrating. It, it just seems like, you know, as, as we heard the news, it's, you know, nine months ago, March is when this all started and it all began with a, hey, we're going to just take a two-week pause and, um, and then we'll get back to life as normal and that two weeks grew to 30 days, but we, you know, we thought, well, hey, we can hang in there and we can do this and we'll be back together for Easter and Easter came and went, and then the two weeks to 30 days became two months, and now we're multiple months, and many of you have been trying to adapt and change, and, and some of you, if, if you're a leader, you know that these have been very challenging days and months uh, to lead in. That guidelines are given, and so you're adapting, and you're, you're trying to figure out how, how you're doing as, a, as an employer, perhaps as a business owner, as a parent, how you're adapting in these days, and then... And then Guidelines change. You, you plan events and, and then you get going and those events have to be canceled and it's super frustrating. It's been a hard season. It's been a frustrating season. And I don't know about you, but I found in my own, my own life that there's been two primary, primary responses that have arisen. Uh, the one, I just kind of like this idea of like, just, just throw in the towel. I mean, What's the, what's the use in even trying? I mean, you put all this work, you adapt, you plan an event, you've, you plan a new way you're going to approach and do something. And, and then as you get ready to do that event, the guidelines change and you have to cancel that event. And it's like, I mean, why even try? I mean, everything's pretty much canceled anyway. So why even attempt to do anything uh, adaptive and creative in this season? I just kind of, that, that response is a bit of an apathetic response. Like, why even bother throwing the towel? The second response, I would just throw in the category of anger. I mean, when is enough enough? When are we just going to do what we know what's best for us? Why don't we just disregard what we're hearing and just, I mean, 
I've received the emails. I've received the phone calls. I've listened to the voicemails. I've heard the texts and people saying, Fowler, when are you going to take a stand? I mean, when are we going to just do what we know is right? When is enough enough? And, and I've received letters. I've received letters many thank you, have written letters of encouragement, written in a spirit of encouragement. Many have written letters and emails that have disagreed and expressed disappointment, but they've been written in a spirit of grace. Thank you. And then there are those other emails that are written in a completely different spirit. We'll, we won't talk about that now. But the reality is, this has been a hard this has been a difficult, frustrating season that causes us to maybe throw out our hands like, why even bother? Or maybe just tells us, we know we need to take a stand and we need to just disregard and do what's, what's best for us. And friends, what we need to do is understand, okay, God, what, what is the response? Yeah, those might be our responses, but what is the right response in these days? What's the right response moving forward? We're pushing away from the shore of 2020. People very excited about that. Into the ocean of 2021. And as we move forward, what's the right response to this ever-changing world? I mean, even guidelines even, yes, I do know guidelines changing in December even for us. I mean, what's the right response as we go forward? Because... It does seem like these are unprecedented days in which government is taking unprecedented action. And it seems like businesses are hanging in the balance. People's livelihoods, there's been financial loss. I mean, what's the right response in, in light of all that, the difficulty and the strain and the stress and the anxiety that we are experiencing as we think about this next year? And what I want to share today is, frankly, there's two responses that we can, we can take. Two responses, and I want to talk about those responses and about the, the, the reasons why you would go one way or the other. And then I want to talk about four pathways into our future, four pathways of wisdom that I believe will guide us well into the point that we can regather again in this place. I, I do think that's happening, and I do hope it happens soon. We miss you. I miss you. And it'll be wonderful to be back together again. Just imagine it. It'll be beautiful. It'll be powerful. But as we wait for that day, what are these pathways of wisdom that we can engage in? Two responses, four pathways of wisdom. Let me just dive right in because Paul and Peter uh, and John, uh, they describe well for us these responses. Paul, writing to a church in Rome, Rome, the epicenter of the Roman Empire, Rome being led by Caesars, and in Paul's day, pretty awful leaders, uh, Caesars like Nero, Caesars like Domitian, who were... They were just brutal persecutors of the early church. And Paul, writing in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, helps us begin this, this discussion about the first response that we can take. Paul writes to these people living in Rome under brutal leaders, everyone must submit to governing authorities. That kind of says it, right? I mean, it's just kind of point blank. No, no loopholes there. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Now, that's a fascinating statement that Paul is making there. All authority comes from God, and the leaders who are in place, the good ones, the bad ones, the sort of, you know, kind of, oh, they're okay ones, all put in place by God. 
So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. Pretty straightforward, hard, difficult words there. Verse 3, for the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Do you hear what Paul is saying? All authority has been instituted by God. All people in authority, whether elected or they've rose, risen to power through, uh, through violence or what, what, whatever the means are, all positions of authority, they've been instituted by God and God's placed them there. And in order to keep a clear conscience, we are to submit to governing authorities. Now, that, that's, that's pretty clear as Paul writes to a church in Rome living under leaders who are far from godly. And he says, here's the response, Submit. Live a life in which they would honor you. So obey them. And, and that is definitely a response that, frankly, you will not only hear in Romans chapter 13. You will read it in Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. You will read it in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. It Three times, very clearly in the New Testament, it says, submit to the governing authorities. But wait a minute here, because that, that, that sounds, okay, I, I, I'm following with you, Steve, and I'm, I'm reading this in Romans 13. I'm hearing you say that, and I'm hearing you tell me there's other passages, but, but isn't there an instance in Acts chapter 5 where Peter and John say to the Sanhedrin, we must obey God rather than man? I mean, l- let me read it for us, because it, it is pretty clear. Uh, this is the Sanhedrin talking. We gave you strict orders. Uh, we, we, we gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name. He said, instead, you have filled all of Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. Now, I, I find that fascinating because Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, says, submit to governing authorities. But here he's saying, uh, we must obey God rather than men. In fact, if you go to Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, you see Daniel saying, I'm not going to eat the food from Nebuchadnezzar's table. You go to Daniel chapter 3, verse 12, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are not bowing down to that, that, that statue in the plains of Shinar. And then, and frankly, if you go to Acts chapter 5, we must obey God rather than men. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 kind of fits our situation. It says that we should not forsake the gathering of the believers. So you've got Paul and Peter, by the way, who are saying, submit to governing authorities, yet both Paul and Peter will refuse to submit in their ministry, in their lives, and they will spend time in prison. In fact, they will be executed. So are they the kind of preachers who say one thing, but they just don't practice what they preach? Are they the kind of Christ followers, the kind of believers who say, do this, but they're actually hypocrites? Or is there something else going on? And I want to submit to you, that there is something else going on. That Peter and Paul and John are saying to submit to the governing authorities. That is the right response sometimes. Yet, there is another response. There is a time to say, we must obey God rather than men. So, how do you know when to submit 
And how do you know when to say we must obey God rather than men? And I want to submit to you, both are taking a stand. That when we say we must obey God rather than men, that's a stand. When we say we're going to submit to the governing authorities, well, that's a stand. But how do you know, and in our situation, how do we know when to submit to the governing authorities? Friends, I think Peter and Paul and John, while they might say it quite differently, I'm sure they would say it quite differently, I think there's a principle at play here, and it's simply this. Anytime allegiance to government compromises allegiance to Jesus, it's time to quote Acts chapter 5, verse 29. We must obey God rather than men. Anytime my allegiance to government compromises my friendship, my allegiance, my loyalty to Jesus, it's time to quote Acts chapter 5, verse 29. That helps us understand, hey, when do I respond in a Romans 13, Titus chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 2 type of scenario? And when do I, like Daniel and like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and like Peter and John say we must obey God rather than men? It all boils down to my allegiance to Jesus. And any time that allegiance is compromised by my allegiance to government, it's time to quote Acts chapter 5, verse 29. And you've seen me share with you a framework that helps us discover when this is important. There are circumstances, there are times when there's things to die for, there's things to divide for, there are things to debate for and things to decide for. I put a line in there because the top two have to do with issues of orthodoxy. Friends, there are people who have gone before us who have died for their faith in Jesus Christ. They would not deny him. Think about the Reformation. That was a time when the church, the Protestant church was born, the protesting church was born as they believed that the word of God should be in every person's hands and the just, those who are righteous, they're, they're, they're just by faith, not by works. You don't have to perform uh, to be accepted by God. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. And the, the church divided. But then there are those so many different topics that frankly are debate for or decide for. Things like how often should we have communion? What color should we paint the church? But the tendency, because of a lack of wisdom, or perhaps a lack of maturity is to take decide for and debate for items and treat them like divide for or die for circumstances. And so as we think about what is the right response in light of the current circumstances, as we think about our allegiance to government, and any time that our allegiance to government compromises our allegiance to Jesus, it's time to quote Acts chapter 5, verse 29. As we think about the situation we are in now, our submission to the authority of government is in no way compromising our allegiance to Jesus. We're not able to gather in this room, but we are still gathering. There are people who are attending Salem Alliance Church now who have never attended in the worship center. There are, there are people who are growing. Friends, we can still own a Bible in this country. Friends, we can still worship Jesus. We can still say the name of Jesus. We don't have to speak cryptically about our faith in Jesus. We have all kinds of freedom in Jesus. And our allegiance to him is not compromised by our submission to the government. Now, that doesn't mean in days that that won't change. It doesn't mean that we're not living in unprecedented times. It doesn't mean that, that, that there's some decisions being made that might confound us and we might disagree with. But the reality is, as we consider the two responses, submission to government or quoting Acts chapter 5, verse 29, your leaders, your pastors, believe we're in this place still where we're submitting to our governing authorities. 
And so you may disagree with us on that. You may disagree with me on that. That's completely fine. Sometimes I say something and I disagree with myself the next day. It's okay, it's okay to disagree. All I ask is that if you do disagree, that you disagree using the pages from God's holy word. Because this is what guides us. The spirit of God who gave voice to what we have in print guides us. And any time allegiance to government compromises our allegiance to Jesus, you will hear your leaders quoting Acts chapter 5, verse 29. We just don't think that we're there yet. We could be there in the days and months and years ahead. But walking into those years ahead, frankly, we need to talk about how do we do this wisely? What's, what's the wise way that we can move forward together? Let me point those out. Four ways that I think that we can move forward together into this next year that will give us wisdom in challenging, challenging times, difficult times, hard times, frustrating times, no doubt about that. But I believe here's four pathways of wisdom that will help guide us into 2021. Here's the first one. It's simply this. Remember, we are kingdom citizens first and American citizens second. We are kingdom citizens first and American citizens second. Maybe you're listening in from another country. You just substitute your citizenship from that country. But we are all, wherever we live, if you have your faith in Jesus Christ, wherever you live on this planet, you are a kingdom citizen. This is the truth from Scripture. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. This is amazing news. Listen to the words of Paul as he, as he talks about this, this citizenship that's ours in heaven. Paul literally just simply says that our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, first and foremost, our citizenship is in heaven. And wherever we live, our citizenship in that country comes second. You know, when missionaries are sent out, one of the dangers, especially 50, 60, 70 years ago, 60 or 70 years ago, one of the dangers that they're talked about is this danger of this, this term is called syncretism. Syncretism is, uh, when it comes to, to faith, is to simply take, for example, missionaries going to Africa, Indonesia, South America, well, this was very prevalent, speaking to people who have never heard about Jesus. And one of the dangers is, is those people will hear the good news of the gospel and simply add it to their current set of beliefs. It's called syncretism. They just sort of sink it in there. And they don't reject that old life and embrace the new life. They just kind of throw it in the package. So in some cases, people are practicing their animistic rituals or practicing witchcraft and worshiping Jesus. And those two don't, you can't be fully allegiant to Jesus and be practicing uh, spirituality in those other ways. And syncretism still happens, and albeit quite subtly. And I want to suggest to us that we have to be very careful in our nation to not commit this error as well. And I think sometimes we actually do because we have, we have this false belief that the American way is synonymous with the kingdom way. Now, there are similarities. Our nation birthed, no doubt, with Judeo-Christian values. And there are times where it feels like that there's, there's, it's almost one of the same. But then there's other times where it feels like it's very, very different. And we cannot commit the error of syncretism and thinking that the American way is the Christian way. And friends, one of the most dangerous ways we could do this is with our politics. 
One of the most dangerous ways we could do this is to see the Bill of Rights or the the Constitution on the same plane as Scripture. That is the error of syncretism. That is forgetting that our citizenship is in heaven first. And all other citizenships that we enjoy come second. And we live in an amazing nation. And we have incredible rights. And I think that we should pursue legislation that guarantees rights and guarantees justice. And I think we should be engaged in politics. But we must never, ever confuse our culture with the kingdom culture. The scriptures teach us and show us the way forward. In fact, Romans 13, Acts chapter 5. As kingdom citizens, we're trying to find wisdom to see, okay, so which is the right way? Is it submit to governing authorities or is it quoting Acts chapter 5, verse 29? That's the kingdom way. It's looking at Jesus and Jesus first. So the first pathway of wisdom that I want to recommend to us is simply this pathway of saying, friends, we must remember that we are kingdom citizens first. And American citizens second, or whatever nation you happen to be in today, listening to this message. The second pathway of wisdom that I want to suggest for us into 2021 is this. We must yield to the authority of Scripture. Friends, you, you've, you've heard it. I mean, Jeff, even as he was leading us, he was talking to us about following the cloud. But, but following, we're talking about following Jesus, and we, we yield to the authority of Scripture. What we're saying is we believe in the authority of Scripture. We believe that this, this book, which people have died for, so that we could have in our hands, that the, the Scriptures, it isn't just a book, it isn't just ink on the pages, it's the voice. Second Timothy 3.16, words are going to be up here on the screen here uh, pretty shortly. It, it says that all Scripture is God-breathed, all of it, Old Testament, New Testament, All of it is God-breathed and useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You've seen me, friends, as we have taught and we've tackled some tough subjects in this place. You've seen me hold the Bible over my head and say that we are a people who come under the word. You've watched me teach on a biblical perspective of marriage, and we have said we will not be a people who take our opinions and take those first and then take the opinions of Scripture as second and just kind of pick and choose the verses we want to affirm our way of thinking. No, we will be a people who believe that this word of God is God-breathed. It's God-inspired, and we submit and we yield to the authority of Scripture. You've seen me as I've taught about the spirit filled life. Come under the word. We've all had our experiences and sometimes we we buy into traditions. We want to know what does the word of God say and we want to come under the word as it relates to spiritual gifts and anointings. You've heard me teach on sexuality and gender and we are people who come under the word and we want to have fidelity to the words of Christ as they are revealed to us in scripture. And friends, when it comes to this time This season that we find ourselves, a hard, a difficult season, one that causes all kinds of emotions to rise, we must still be a people who come under the word of God. What kind of credibility would we have with our community if we say, we're coming under the word when it comes to sexuality, we're coming under the word when it comes to marriage, we're coming under the word when it comes to life and the spirit, but on this one, this is a little bit inconvenient for us, we don't like the decisions that are being made, in fact, we disagree with them, so 
we're going to do what we want to do. What kind of credibility will we have as Christ followers if we just pick and choose when we want to submit to God's word? I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying I get it right every time. All I'm saying is that this is a treasure. And God's word is holy. And we must treat it as such and yield to it. And as we respond by submitting to authority, the the governmental authority in these days, which it may change. And by the way, I grew up in a part of the world where I'm very familiar with with what persecution looks like. I was born in China. I've seen persecution. I, I'm not personally, I've not personally experienced it, but I've, I've heard the stories. I've, I've seen I've, roommates in boarding school whose parents were, were killed as they declared the good news of the gospel. I, I know what persecution looks like and sounds like. And so, yes, there may come a day in which we quote Acts chapter 5, 29. We, we don't feel like we're there yet. So listen to the words of Scripture. If we are going to be a people who come under the word, Listen to Paul as he writes to Titus. Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. Listen to verse 2. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. And then Peter, the same Peter who's saying, you know, we must obey God rather than men. In 1 Peter chapter 2 says, For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those, sent them to punish those who do wrong and honor those who do right. I want you to notice something here. Notice that Peter does not say, Submit to all human authority as long as they make the decisions that you would make. Peter does not say, Submit to the human, human authority as long as there's no government overreach. He does not say, submit to, 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 to governing authority as long as you don't think about you know, how things might play out in the future. Remember, the guiding principle is, anytime allegiance to government compromises my allegiance to Jesus, it's time to quote Acts chapter 5, verse 29. And your leaders are not afraid to do that. But currently, we believe we're in a season where we're going to submit to the governing authorities. And yes... Sometimes we are in full disagreement with the decisions. Yes, sometimes I feel like these are unprecedented days. And these decisions, man, they they could set some some patterns for the future. And could it be God's mercy actually to us to know that in these days we're learning how to gather in different ways? And could it be God's mercy to us or perhaps generations to come for them to look back on us in these days and to see this is how they responded in those days. Maybe we could respond in that way. And could it be that, that this passion to gather as a, as a church needs to be evaluated in how much we gathered before this whole situation happened? I find it fascinating, the passion to gather as the church, when the average American gathers one out of every four weeks in their local churches pre-COVID. To me, it seems like God is issuing us a wake-up call. And he's teaching us how to move into the future together. Pathway of wisdom number one, we're kingdom citizens first, American citizens second. Pathway of wisdom number two, we will be a people who continue to yield to the authority and submit to the authority of Scripture, whether it's comfortable or not. And sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. Third one, third one is simply this, friends, 
We need to learn how to suffer well. You've already heard me say these are difficult days. Some of you have experienced significant loss. I've already talked about the different ways that that can happen. We have brothers and sisters around the world who have suffered incredibly. I don't say that to minimize the pain and suffering that you have gone through in these last nine months. We have a refugee community that's now living in Salem that could teach us about suffering. And they are. But you have gone through pain. You've gone through difficulty. There was a guy named Jeremiah who in Jeremiah chapter 12 was complaining to God and he was saying to God, God, I don't like what's going on here. I I think the wicked, they're just taking over and I, I just don't appreciate it. And why don't you do something? And God responds by saying, if racing against mere men makes you tired, how will you race against horses? If you stumble and fall on open ground, what will you do in the thickets near the Jordan? Have you ever asked God a question and he responds and then you're scratching your head going, I have no idea what he's talking about. I mean, what? Run, run with men, run with horses, playing ground, thickets? What? God, what are you talking about? Here's what God is saying. He's saying, Jerry, things are tough, but they're not that tough. And you're not just meant to run with men. I'm training you to run with horses. And I'm training not just to run with horses in the open fields. I'm training you to run in the thickets, the tough places, you know, where you got to kind of hack your way through with a machete. I'm training you to persevere. And could it be, again, God's mercy that in these days, he's increasing our spiritual stamina and endurance because of what lies ahead? I don't know. I'm not, I don't know what the, the, the future looks like. All I know is that Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. And Jerry doesn't like, Jeremiah doesn't like the trouble that he's in. And God is saying, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I put you in training. If you can't run run against men, how are you going to run against the horses and run with them? Because that's your destiny. And your destiny is not just to run in the open fields. Your destiny is to run through the difficulty, the thickets of life. Friends, could it be again God's mercy that this time of suffering, this time of difficulty is actually a time of training because of what lies ahead. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not prognosticating and saying worse things are ahead of us. I pray not. I think not immediately, but who knows? And so we must seize this moment, not to assert rights, not, to, not that that's a bad thing to, that people should have rights, but to assert the word of God into our lives and so that our spiritual stamina might rise so that we could run with the horses in the thickets. Psalm 119, verse 71, uh, says these words. It said, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. I guarantee you that was written after whatever the affliction was. Because when you're in it, you do not say, oh, this is good for me. So don't take on shame and condemnation because you don't like the season you're in. No one likes this. Friends, afterwards, I think we'll see that actually we learn something. Uh, One author writes this, says, The deepest things that I have learned in my own life have come from the deepest suffering. And out of the deepest waters and the hottest fires, have come the deepest things that I know about God. We must learn how to suffer well. Will 
go deeper. We'll learn God's decrees and our spiritual stamina will increase. Last pathway of wisdom, then I'll wrap up. Again, we're kingdom citizens first, American citizens second. We, we yield and submit to the authority of Scripture. We must learn how to suffer well. And finally, we must consider the credibility of our witness. In AD 150 and around AD 225, there was a significant plague that struck the Roman Empire. In the city of Rome itself, historians tell us that somewhere around 50% of the, the inhabitants of the city of Rome lost their lives during this plague. It was an awful time. Uh, Thucydides uh, writes, he, he says that people died with no one to look after them. Indeed, there were many houses in which all the inhabitants perished through lack of any attention. Difficult times, horrible times. And, and preachers in Rome, Cyprian and Dionysius, they were preaching and they were talking about the afterlife and the hope of the resurrection in the midst of all this loss of life. Galen was a famous uh, Roman physician and he tried to apply his medicines and it was no good. And nothing took, nothing helped. In fact, Galen fled the city of Rome because of the plague and went out and lived in the countryside in his mansion until all of it passed away. But history tells us that Christians did not do that. In fact, history tells us that Christians, these people who were left behind, Christians took them in, and uh, in one Easter sermon, a bishop named Dionysius says, most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ, and with them departed this life serenely happy. For they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pains. Many, in nursing and curing others, transferred their death to themselves and died in their stead. The best of brothers lost their lives in this ma manner. A number of presbyters, deacons, and laymen winning high commendation so that, get this, so that death in this form, the result of great piety and strong faith, seems in every way the equal of martyrdom. Dionysius, this bishop saying, look, some Roman leaders, they fled to the countryside, but the church actually took care of the sick so much, they exposed themselves so much that their own lives were lost and it was considered martyrdom. And in those years, following those plagues, the church of Jesus Christ exploded with growth because people said, that's what I want to be a part of. Friends, let us ask us this question. When this is all said and done, and it will be, and we're back in this place gathering again this year, and it will happen. What will our community say about us? Will their response be, they just did what was thought, they thought was best for them? They just asserted their opinions, they disregarded what people were saying? Or will they say, they lived in such a way that they thought about us and sacrificed and adjusted and adapted because they loved us. I mean, we need to consider the credibility of our witness, 
not just in this season, but after this season is over. What will our city, what will your neighbors, what will mine, our neighbors say about us when this is all said and done as Christ followers? Will they say, I got to be part of that? Or will the response be different? Friends, anytime allegiance to government compromises our allegiance to Jesus, it's time to quote Acts chapter 5, verse 29. We don't feel like we're there yet. We could be in the future. We could be there. And your leaders are ready to say that if that's, if that's the case. But we feel like these are uncomfortable, discomfortable, days of difficult suffering in which we still hear the Spirit saying, submit to the governing authorities. Those authorities have been put there by me. Trust me. Follow the cloud. I'm with you. I've not forgotten you. And the best is yet to come, friends. It truly is. Let's pray. So, Lord, as we think about 2021, I know there's been so much hope that this, this new year would bring a new reality. We're grateful for the advances in the sciences, for, for injections, vaccines, and new ways of living that protect one another. But more than that, we're grateful that you're our king. And that this life is but a breath, but our citizenship is in heaven. Our inheritance is with you. And so we will enjoy all the graces that you provide for us. We will be a people who shine your light brightly in this world and anticipate the true light that we get to dwell with forever and ever and ever. You are our king. We surrender. We submit to you. Grant all of us wisdom in these days. Because, Lord, we'll, we'll land in different places, but we, may we be like those, those ways that Paul described in Titus. Would you give us the gift of gentleness and humility? Would you remove all slander from our mouths? And may your church be revived, awake, and poised for unprecedented advance in the days to come. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.